the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to a new week, the first full week of the uh, unholy month of Pride. Yes, if you were watching the Memorial Tournament yesterday at Muirfield Village Golf Club while you were treated to Denny McCarthy making par putt after par putt after par putt until the 18th hole when he lost his lead and Victor Hovland overtook him in a playoff, uh, you occasionally were treated to the uh, lilting tones of Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Talking about how CBS wants to honor the triumph of the pride community. And I thought to myself, triumph over what? I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy who started his career in media over 30 years ago. I love a great triumph story. I covered a couple baseball games late last week. Kind of stories I love. Small little town, Western Ohio. Shout out, Village of Rushi. Good luck in the state baseball semifinals this week. Well, I better not say that because they're playing another little small town from the same general area, St. Henry. Love small towns. Came from one. Love small town sports. Communities getting behind teams. Athletes achieving. Love those stories. So I would love to hear from Jim Nance. More about what the pride community has triumphed over. Because we're told all the time that the uh, LGBTQ2S plus IOS TUVRXWYZ community is triumphing in the face of unmerciful persecution. And that they have to be so quiet with who they are. They can't advertise it. But Jim Nance disappointed me. He got back to the golf and probably threw the little index card away. He was handed by his producer so that he can pay homage to the Pride community. So I never got to hear exactly what the Pride community has triumphed over. But then, fortunately, I came in today. And USA Today writes a long story today about Brittany Griner, the WNBA player who was jailed in a Russian prison. And she's now out of prison, which we're all for that, right? We don't want to see any American citizen imprisoned in Russia. And I thought, knowing that Brittany Griner is uh, a triple threat, she's uh, gay and black, and she refused to stand for the national anthem for a while and advocated that others do it. She's got super woke bona fides. I thought maybe I could gather from this story all that the LGBTQ community has triumphed over, and they'd fill in the blanks uh, into which I was thrust by Jim Nance yesterday. 
And I'm really like scratching my head even more. I might, I might wear a hole in my head from scratching it so much over what I consider to be uh, one and one not making two. I mean, after all, if the LGBTQ community is so marginalized that we have to celebrate their pride, one of the seven mortal sins, then they should be able to tell us many instances of being marginalized and how it's harming them. But this story in USA Today takes a decidedly different view, making the case that Brittany Griner is free in America only because she's a member of the LGBTQ community and because they raised a ruckus about her imprisonment, which that does make logical sense to me. Because after all, Paul Whelan is still in a Russian prison since 2018, and Evan Gerskovich is still in a Russian prison. Wall Street Journal reporter taken in March. And in fact, Evan Gerskovich has become... Such a back page irrelevancy that I Googled and there has not been a story about his detainment by a major news service in three weeks. In three weeks. And he's been in prison only since March. Boy, we have a short attention span here in the U.S. Now, into all this morass of conflicting LGBTQRSTUV headlines. I also noticed a girl who I do not believe uh, flies her flag uh, rainbow colored, but more than likely uh, stars and stripes colored, uh, a young woman by the name of Juliette Laracunte Hubner. She is a local girl, and she's a superstar. She is worth celebrating. She is from Morrow County. She's from Highland High School. They used to call it Sparta Highland. Now they call it Marengo Highland. And over the weekend at the state track and field meet, Juliette Lacunte Hubner won four state championships on the podium, four individual state championships on the podium afterwards. The track announcer likened her to Jesse Owens. Now, when you're a high school senior, and you do something that gets you mentioned in the same breath with the immortal Jesse Owens, you've done something, okay? And as I delved into her accomplishments, Juliet not only won four track titles, which it is rare, very, 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 very rare for this to happen, but when it happens, it usually happens like Jesse Owens did it, where you win the 100, the 200, you're part of a relay team, and then you might have one other discipline that you win, like, where you can use the speed for your speed as an asset, which he did in the long jump. Juliet's different, way different. And in my estimation, and I don't know the whole spectrum of Ohio high school track and field history, but for my money, what she did this past weekend is more impressive, more impressive than what Jesse Owens did. Because Juliet Laracunte Hubner won only one sprint race. She did not use three teammates to win a relay race. She won the 200 meters. She won the long jump. She won the high jump. State record, by the way. 
and she won the 100-meter hurdles. That's three different disciplines. Track athletes spend all their time, all their practice, all their effort mastering one discipline. For instance, high jump, or for instance, pole vault, or for instance, long jump. She's mastered three and is super fast. And all by herself earned uh, Marengo Highland a runner-up finish in Division Two. Now, why do I mention her? Because of the fact that she's a tremendous athlete. I thought it would be interesting to look up and see how would the inspirational story of Juliette Lacunte Hubner, and she's going to the University of Cincinnati to become a nurse. Can you imagine how that infuriates the LGBTQ community that she's going into a stereotypical profession for a woman like a nurse? <laughs> uh, how would Juliette Lacunte Hubner have fared if she had been forced to compete against boys from Division Two? Would we be sitting here talking about her wonderful achievements? Or if she were to compete against boys, which the LGBTQ RSTUV community would tell you she should not be immune from, because after all, trans women are women, how would she have fared? Well, I don't think we'd be talking about Juliet Laracunte Hubner very much on today's show or any show, nor would they be writing stories about her in media in Northeast Ohio, because... In the long jump, the last-placed finisher among the boys in Division Two matched Juliet Laracunte Hubner's leap of 18 feet, 6.5 inches. In the high jump, <clears throat> Juliet's state record of 5, 10, and 3 quarters would have fallen an inch and a quarter short of the last-place finisher in the boys' state meet in Division Two. In the 200-meter dash, Juliet Laracunte Hubner's Winning time of 22.7, and she smoked the field, by the way. Uh, excuse me, of her winning time of 24.23, she would have been herself smoked by the last place finisher and non-qualifier for the finals in boys' division two, 22.7 seconds. She would have been beaten in a 200-meter sprint by a second and a half, which is like 15 yards. <laughs> okay? And I can't really compare the hurdle times because... While Juliet Leracunte Hubner's time is two seconds faster, she competes over hurdles that are 33 inches high, and the boys must leap over hurdles that are six inches higher. None of this is said to in the in in any way, in the least way possible, in any imaginable way, to disparage the heroic and amazing achievements of Juliet Leracunte Hubner. It is brought up in tandem with the LGBTQ community crowing about its role in getting Brittany Griner released from prison to demonstrate two points. Number one, if you want to relegate heroic young girls like Juliette Laracunte Hubner to the dustbin of history, let the LGBTQ community continue to have its way and force her to compete against boys. And the other thing I'll point out next. A belated thanks to my friend Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network for sitting in for me on Friday. I know Jack did a phenomenal job, as he does every single time he sits in. Really appreciate him very much. Follow him on Twitter at Jack Windsor and read and subscribe to theohiopressnetwork.com. I talk about things that 
are true. I talk about things that make logical sense, common sense. A lot of times when the left puts forward a position and we scratch our head and we don't appear to get it, I say that we are suffering from uh, TMCS, too much common sense. Well, I'm having a struggle today uh, while enjoying the stories about uh, a young lady from Marengo Highland High School, Juliet Laracunte Hubner, who by herself uh, placed her team second in the state in Division Two on Saturday. She won four different individual state titles at the Ohio State Track and Field Championships. And I went through her winning efforts in the 200-meter dash, the long jump, the high jump, and the 100-meter hurdles. And I said, if you want to relegate her and other inspirational young women, and I can only imagine the impact she's had in that community of Morrow County, you want to relegate her to irrelevancy, to the dustbin of history, just, uh, well, let the Ohio High School Athletic Association existing policy let it continue because eventually we will have boys competing against girls here in Ohio like we have them in other states around the country. We haven't fought that fight here yet because no boy has decided that he can't stand losing and being ordinary in boys' competitions. Uh, So he's going to enter the girls' competition and say he's a girl, say he's a transgender girl, but it'll happen eventually if we don't do something to stop it. That's why the Save Women's Sports Act in the Ohio General Assembly is consequential and must be approved. But we're in the first full week of the uh, unholy week, unholy month of pride. And I keep hearing how marginalized, how oppressed the LGBTQ community is. And then I read this story from USA Today, celebrating the release of Brittany Griner and her return to the WNBA. And that would be fine. But what struck me is that... The LGBTQ community, and they're of the left, and so what do I always say about the left? They never hold a victory party, right? They always keep pushing. Well, I'm wrong about that. The LGBTQ community wants to take a victory party. They want a victory parade. They love parades, you know. Uh, They want a victory parade for their protests about Brittany Griner being imprisoned in Russia for bringing cannabis oil into the country, which is against the law over there. She did break the law. Unlike Paul Whelan, unlike Evan Gerskovich, neither one of them bro- broke the law, but they're white males, and so they're still imprisoned. Why is Brittany Griner not in prison? Well, according to this story in USA Today, and I mean, it's in USA Today, so it's got to be right. It's because the LGBTQ community put up a big, hairy stink about it. That is the whole thrust of this story. Griner's situation, I'm quoting, was unusual considering hundreds of Americans, men and women, have played overseas for decades, including a handful of dangerous countries, and never been taken hostage. It really wasn't unusual, USA Today, because she broke the law going into Russia. Anybody brings drugs into Russia, you are going away. But it was unique, USA Today says, because as an openly queer black woman, Griner's identity could not be ignored. So then they quote a woman named Susan Kahn a University of Buffalo professor who, oh, wow, specializes in gender and sexuality in sports. And here's her quote. There's been a real shift the last few years led by the WNBA in terms of athletes being much more out front with their sexuality and gender identity. That league has so many out lesbians that they've helped normalize that and shown you can still market the league 
and Griner has led the way. So I'm confused. If you're oppressed and you're marginalized, wouldn't it be a dangerous thing to come out and expose who you really are? Um, the learned professor from Buffalo continues. Brittany Griner was one of the early people to come out, and she spent years paying a price for that. What price did she pay? What price did she pay? She got drafted number one overall. She got a big contract. Did the Russian pro team refuse to take her because she was out and gay and black and queer and lesbian and every other letter you could file under the alphabet mafia umbrella? I don't think so. She wasn't oppressed in the U.S. She wasn't oppressed in Russia until she broke the law in Russia, which earns you oppression no matter who you are, no matter what intersectionality box you check. USA Today continues. Given the geopolitical sensitivity of the situation, initially everyone close to Griner was told to keep quiet, worrying that drawing attention to her detainment and her identity could put her in serious danger. Okay, so what made the difference? Early on, says Laishia Clarendon, a WNBA veteran, who is the league's first out non-binary and transgender athlete. Oh, in other words, Laisha is a guy. Early on, there was a very real fear about the fact that her being a black queer person was going to harm her. That was a tangible thing. It was strategic to not highlight those points given the country she was in. But when given the okay, I'm still reading the story, to talk about her situation, the WNBA and the LGBTQ community centered on Griner's identity. Not her innocence. Not her persecution. Not her marginalization. They said, you got to let her out because she's black and gay and whatever else we can make up. This story is in an effort to celebrate Pride Month is confirming what those of us who are not enslaved under the LGBTQ umbrella, those of us who are not cudgeled into putting our pronouns in our email signature, those of us who are not going to bow at the altar of the rainbow, those who are not going to shop at Target or drink Bud Light or shop at Kohl's or anything else. This story is making clear that the LGBTQ community is not at all oppressed, but it is in fact advantaged by its immoral lifestyle by its constant shoving the rainbow in your face. That there's an advantage to it. You bet there is. It's an advantage the rest of us don't have. Yes, privilege. There's privilege. Jeff Murtal says it exactly right. There's privilege in being, I'll be nice, weird. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.